We are glad that you joined us today. Harrison Church is constantly being blessed with its members and volunteers who are devoted to experiencing and sharing the amazing Word of God. If you wish to contribute to his ministry, please visit us online at harrisonchurch.org forward slash donate. Thank you again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Yes, Lord, it is in your name that we pray, and it is in the name of the Lord that I greet you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for coming this morning. You know, we go, we, the pastors were t- uh, talking in the last service. You think about this. Okay, so uh, early morning service plus time change plus snow. We had at least the ushers who came to the last service, so that was good. So it's good to see you. Uh, if you are visiting with us today, I want to kind of uh, bring you up to date on where we've been. It's just uh, week two of a sermon series that we're doing through the season of Lent, uh, kind of the season of the year where Christians really are supposed to take more time to pray, where I thought we would uh, study the Lord's Prayer together as a church, kind of break down all of these petitions, because usually when we say it, we say it so fast, and to kind of slow it down and ask, you know, what are we really saying when we pray the Lord's Prayer? Uh, last week, we just spent some time talking about the first couple of words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father. How interesting that was. Jesus tells us to come to God, not in just kind of these vague, abstract terms, but, wow, come to God in, in really personal and intimate terms. But before we can say Father, we have to say Our. And that was interesting because you can't come to this God by yourself. It's okay to have a private faith, but it's not privatized. Right? It's a public kind of thing. Jesus says we've got to keep other people in mind. And so today is part two, and we're going to be thinking about the next petition, which is what? Can we, do we know this? Hallowed be thy name. So I'm going to take as our cue for our text this morning a lesson from the book of Exodus, chapter 3. I'm going to invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel. Well, not the gospel, reading of the scripture. Gospel's in the New Testament. Okay, here we go. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. And he looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. And then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. How many of you are thinking of the Ten Commandments movie right now? Moses. Indeed, I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. God said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Hallowed be thy name. 
Uh, you might expect this. Uh, I, I spent the week uh, thinking about names, and I started thinking about the very concept of names. Uh, take my name, for instance. My name is Shane. You might want to think about your name. And as I was thinking about our names, it started to hit me that you know, none of us really got to choose our names. There's a few people who might. They change their name later in life, but we really don't get a chance to choose our name at all. Somebody else chose your name for you. There was a debate or a discussion among your mother and father before you were born. What are we going to name you? And there was a list, and they chose yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And then finally they decided what to name you. Then you were born. They announced your name to everybody else. That's how it usually happens. With our children, we had about, I don't know, six names to choose from for both of our kids. Here we go, Jordan. Here we go, Davis. And I thought about this. I mean, that you and I have been given a name. We didn't choose a name. It sort of confirms that. We're not these self-made people we like to say that we are. Like, your existence and my existence, it depends on other people. Your identity, how you understand even yourself, you didn't choose that. I mean, so many people in your life, like your parents and grandparents, boy, they have influenced how you live. Now, some of you may have a family name. Some of you may have a name that has uh, meaning. Some of you may have a name that you don't want anybody to know what your name is, a middle name. I have a parent like that, you know. So, so my name, I uh, wanted to be sure what the meaning of Shane was. It's actually an Irish expression for St. Patrick's Day uh, that means God is gracious. That's interesting. My first name, though, is not Shane. That's my middle name. My first name is Christopher. And you might kind of guess what that name's about. Uh, it actually means a bearer or a bringer of Christ. Uh, now, I've got to tell you that I go by my middle name. has caused me all kinds of grief for most of my life. I uh, remember to this day, from kindergarten to college to graduate school, every first day of school, I had to listen to the teachers go down the roster, name all the names, here, 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 and then always, Christopher Page, and every year, I had to raise my hand and go, Shane, my name is Shane, my name is Shane, Shane. <laughs> of course, now, since 2003, when I graduated from seminary, that name doesn't even apply anymore. Uh, now I've assumed a new name, and my name mostly, mostly is now uh, Breacher. Hey, Breacher, Pastor, right? These are names. This is identity. So our name really kind of identifies who we are. It's, it's kind of who we are. In the book of Genesis, Adam, when he was created by God, he was given the task. You know what he was told to do? You've got to name the animals. I mean, we could not imagine naming an alligator an ant, right? The name kind of fits the description. In the book of Revelation, all the way to the end of the New Testament, there's this wonderful little verse there that says, at the, when the kingdom of God comes, God will give us new names. All right, that's like a, a new identity. Jesus he told one of his disciples, from now on, your name is not Simon anymore. It is Peter. You are the rock. Or you think of Saul of Tarsus, who later becomes the man we know as St. Paul. Man, so, so a new name. This is like shaking things up about how we understand ourselves. Okay. In the book of uh, Exodus here, this is this great little passage. Uh, Moses is getting ready to go lead the people out of Egypt, and uh, then before he leaves, he says, God, when the people ask what your name is, what am I supposed to tell them? And God says in this moment, you tell them, I am who I am. I am 
who I am. I actually like how some of the, uh, the Jews uh, interpret this Hebrew phrase. We interpret it, I am who I am, but there are a lot of rabbis who say it's better translated like this. Maybe I've told you. Here's a refresher. It's better translated, I will be who or what I will be. I will be who or what I will be. In other words, he's saying to Moses, God, my name is, <laughs> you can't tie me down to your image. You can't tie me down to your categories. I'm not tied down to this. We kind of mentioned this last week. So what, what, what God is saying is that I'm the true God, and I'm going to be God however I want to be God. I'm not your projection. I'm not anybody's image. I am free from all of that. I transcend all of that. I can be God. One of my favorite Christian writers, a man named Frederick. Beekner, he was reflecting on this very story that we heard, and uh, he said this. It's just a sentence or two. He said, when I give you my name, I have given you a hold over me that you didn't have before. If you call out my name, I will stop. I will look. I will listen, whether I want to or not. In the book of Exodus, God gave Moses his name, and God hasn't had a peaceful moment since. I mean, you think about this, man, by, by God giving Moses his name, he took, God took a risk. God took a risk. God was actually handing over his very identity to Moses, who he is. And you think about the risk that God took in that moment because in human hands, in God's name, it can be like dynamite. I mean, in human hands or in human lips, God's name, we, we can call on God's name and we can use it to bless others. It's our, jo- our privilege as pastors at the end of every service. You now we stand up, we always bless you in the name of the Lord. Right? You can call on God's name and you can bless others with God's name or in human hands on human lips. God's name can be used to do great harm and has. Boy, what a risk God took here. You know, in, the, in Judaism, of which Jesus, that was his religion. He was Jewish. I always think this way. In Judaism, man, God, God's name, and Jesus would have been influenced by this tradition, God's name is like the most precious, treasured thing that there is. As a matter of fact, God's name is so prized in Judaism. It is so, so precious that you, you really shouldn't ever utter it, ever. Uh, the Jews have an expression. Sometimes if you go through your Bible, you will see places in the Old Testament where uh, the word Lord is in all caps. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before. And that's, that's a reference to the name that Moses reveals to, that God revealed to Moses, that name. But the Jews don't refer to it by the actual name. They, they call the Lord Hashem. Hashem. And that word Hashem means the name. So God's name is so precious, you don't even want to call God by his name. You just say Hashem. Or you think about how some Jewish writers will write the word God, G-O-D. And uh, what, what some of them will do, maybe you've seen this, they'll actually write G, does anybody know? G-D. Because God's name is so precious, we, we shouldn't even write the name down. This name. I'm thinking here of, uh, you might be thinking with me, one of the commandments. One of the Ten Commandments, you shall not take the what? Name of the Lord your God in vain. One of the commandments. I think it's the third commandment. Now, I was raised to believe that this commandment was a prohibition against a certain kind of expletive that some fishermen sometimes say when it's a bad day. 
okay? As a fisherman, I heard them, all right? We think that's what this is all about. Actually, no, it's not. Actually, the third commandment is not about a certain kind of expletive. The third commandment is actually a prohibition, a no, against like taking the name of God and then using God's name, pulling God's name down, and then using God's name to endorse your cause, your plans, and your actions. And you can do that on a personal level. You can especially do it on a national level. See, the kings in those days would rise up. And they would say, issue a decree, and they would say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to invade, or we're going to enact this new policy. And they would always pull down the name of the Lord and ask the name of God to bless it. Why? Because, see, if they could get God's endorsement, then they're trying to make the people think that the king's will is God's will. Like, this is what God wants. And so you better get in line. That's actually against the third commandment. We're not supposed to do that. It's a form of blasphemy. Using God's name to endorse, to bless, to justify all of your actions individually or even from a national scale. You think about the church. We know the reputation of the church in the Middle Ages. You know the Crusades. Man, a lot of people were hurt, and they did it in the name of God. We got religious extremism going all over the globe. In Islam, even in Christianity, using the name of the Lord right, to harm others. And yet the third commandment is leave God's name alone. God's name is not some blank check on which you can write your intentions, your plans. Leave his name out of it. I would go on what we put on the money, but I won't go there today. But leave God's name out of it. Right? God's name is so holy, precious. So when we pray in the Lord's Prayer and slow it down, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What we are really petitioning God, what we're really asking is that God's name will no longer be weaponized. It'll no longer be used as a weapon against other people. That's what we're praying. That instead, God's name would be honored and praised and and worshipped. And that we would use God's name to bless others and never to cause any kind of harm to others. Not to curse anybody. You know, if you search the Old Testament, I'm always referring to the prophets because I love the prophets. They really influenced Jesus' thinking. One of the things you will find the prophets in the the Old Testament doing over and over again is that they would just rail against God's people whenever the other nations of the world would mock God's name. They would just rail against God's people. They wouldn't get angry at the other nations for mocking God's name. They would actually get angry at Israel. Why? Because Israel's conduct. They were living their lives in such a way that they were discrediting the name of God. And so for the prophets, man, to know God's name, to bear God's name, they believed that when God gives us his name, when we carry God's name with us, that God has actually entrusted his reputation to us. His reputation is tied up in his name. And so to know God's name means you better live in accordance with the character of the God whose name you have been called. So Israel, according to the prophets, man, they were called to uphold a reputation. They were called to uphold God's reputation. You think about that. One of the Proverbs, there's several of this like this. Um, one of the Proverbs, 22, to kind of make my point here. 
Proverbs 22 says, a good name is better than fine riches. You ever heard that? A good name is better than fine riches. What, what do they mean? Like your, your reputation. Like what your name is associated with is a big deal. I mean, so, much, so many of us struggle. You know, we work all of our lives to have a good reputation. We want our name to be associated with some good things, right? And it's delicate. I mean, somebody can take your name and they can, they can slander your name. Right? They, they can tarnish your name. They can discredit your name. And man, you know this. It's hard to recover from that kind of misdeed. You know, if I could tell you, uh, Matt, Madoff, is this Madoff? Oh, yeah, Madoff. Ooh, we know what we associate that name with now, corruption of all kinds. Uh, Pastor Kyle and I were just talking this week. Uh, maybe some of you had a, a family like this where uh, uh, grandfathers, grandmothers, you know, your, your family parents said to you, uh, you remember who you are. <laughs> uh, my grandfather used to say, Shane, remember you are the grandson of rectors. Or Kyle told me his dad was like, remember, you are a McCain. Right, we know what this means. You ever had a parent say that to you? What they're saying is like, look, there's 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 a reputation that's associated with our family. Your character matters. Don't you tarnish my name. We've worked hard as rectors. We've worked hard as McCain's or Smith's to build up our name. Don't you tarnish it. It comes with a responsibility. That's what they were saying to us. So <laughs> when we pray. Hallowed be thy name. One way we might want to think of it is what we might actually be praying is, Lord, make holy your reputation. Lord, make holy your reputation. Now, if you think about that, then that means one thing. That means God's reputation is only going to be good and holy to the extent, what? That we are holy people. We do think God's name is holy. It is holy. But to pray the Lord's Prayer means I got some responsibility to live a holy life too so that God's reputation, so I'm not tarnishing God's reputation. I mean, think about this. When you were baptized either as an infant or an adult, we, the church, the church baptized you into what? What did the preacher say? I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are gathered right now in the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names, Philippians 2. And man, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name, the question then becomes, how are you living in such a way that you are giving glory to the name you bear? Now, you're a Christian. That's your name now. Man. You are a disciple of Jesus on the day of your baptism. And so what happens is that we can't get away from it. Kyle mentioned the word just a few moments ago. Lifestyle matters. If you're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, what kind of message are you sending to other people? What of Christianity are people defining or extracting by looking at your life? This is a big deal. I think it was Mother Teresa who somewhere said something like this. She said, you know, it is so easy for Christians to say, God is so loving. God is so good. God is so generous. God is so forgiving. And she says, no, 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 no. That's easy. She says, the main question is, are you loving? Are you kind? Are you forgiving? Are you generous? 
thing. How you're living your life is going to tell people exactly what they should think about God. So we can talk about God being generous and kind and gracious all day. What about you? What about you? What kind of reputation are you and I kind of living and and sending? There's a um, pastor in our conference. This has been about three or four years ago. And uh, I saw the video that he produced at annual conference. Anyway, he decided to take his iPhone one day and uh, he decided just to kind of videotape and, and ask people questions. And uh, ran to people in Uptown Charlotte. And then uh, what he asked them, each one of them, is what do you think of when you think of church? You should have heard some of the answers. Now, some people randomly said things like, well, I, you know, I think of family, I think of worship, that's good. But for every two positives, there was like five negatives. People said things like, oh, I think church, mean-spirited, um, debating, arguing, divided, um, I think kind of fearful, uh, politicized. Now, you think about how people are reading this what they're what they're reading is that well they think that christianity must just traffic in mean-spiritedness uh or fear and what's what's the reputation of the church what's the reputation of harrison church what's your reputation as a disciple of jesus and you're you bear the name of jesus and 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 how we pray how would be thy name is lord make me holy don't, don't let me tarnish your name. I, I don't want to do anything to dishonor who you are. Jesus himself said, be holy as your Father is holy. Now, that word scares us, holiness. You shouldn't, though. We're Methodist people. You know, John Wesley preached holiness all the time, all the time. I shared this uh, this week when we had uh, the funeral of our dear member, Betsy Carr. What a... What a sad time uh, that was and is going to be for our community, 91 years old, just in this church all the time. And uh, what I shared with the people then is, is a delightful little essay that I had read from a great uh, theologian. And, you know, he kind of says we caricature holiness. And uh, he says that holiness is not the same thing as, like, goodness. He says sometimes you can be around really good people. And you can walk away from really good people and you can feel lousy. Like, you feel, uh, annoyed, or, uh, I feel judged. You know, that's, that's some good people do that. But he says, holy people, though. He says, you can always tell when you are around holy people, holy Christian people, because they produce joy in others. Holy people produce joy. So when you're around someone who's holy, who loves the Lord, you will feel, like, lighter. And you will feel, oh, there's hope for me. Uh, God can use my broken and my compromised humanity, you'll feel like there's hope in your life. And I didn't know this, but when the Catholic Church, uh, when they try to make someone a saint, and it's a long process, one of the top questions that they have to ask about the person that they're considering making a saint is, did this person produce joy in others? It's like one of the top two or top three. Did this person produce joy and others. And I'm thinking, man, you know, that's actually a great reflection question for you and for me. Do you produce joy in others? Are you someone, when someone's around you and they leave you, they, they feel more hopeful? They feel lighter? I mean, what kind of 
what kind of reputation do you have with your following of Jesus, right? Do you produce joy in others? That's what we're praying. Lord, hallowed be thy name. We're saying, Lord, make us holy. But don't make us holy so much that we're good. We want to be good, but we, we, we want to produce joy in others because we are the guardians of your name. You've given us your name, and you've entrusted your reputation to us. Help us take that so seriously. Hallowed, sacred is your name. This table here, we gather on Thanksgiving at our families. We gather in the name of the McCains, the Pages, the Rectors. But here we gather in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Harrison Church. To stay connected to Harrison Happenings, please follow us on Facebook or Twitter at HarrisonUMC or online at harrisonchurch.org.